Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Today we're going to be talking about victimology, which is uh, basically people living as victims. And it takes a lot of energy for people to live as victims, not only for the person doing it, but for the person receiving it. And uh, there's actually a lot of people out there that find themselves surrounded by lots of people who have a victim ideology. Um, You know, a victim is a person who's been hurt or taken advantage of, uh, which most of us basically try to avoid. But some people uh, hit others over the head with with this word, victim, and some seem to be uh, like being victimized. You know, some almost uh, compete over who's the biggest victim and uh, what is, you know, we have to wonder what it is it about this word. You know, there's several kinds of victims. There's the unfortunates, uh, you know, people that basically have a meteor uh, fall out of the sky and hit them over the head. But, you know, as, as a human condition, being a person is rewarding, but it's not easy. And all of us can feel justifiably like victims because we know we're going to die. And we must feel the pressures of growing from uh, dependent children into responsible adults. And many people never leave a portion of their adolescence. And, and you know, you know, adolescence is very hard because we're subject to a lot of kids who have very low emotional intelligence. And so they take it out on us as people. And there's many times as children, we feel vulnerable and we feel scared because uh, the, the way we're treated. But, you know, we can't uh, encapsulate who we are based on how we're treated in childhood because a lot of people take that victimology, that sense of vulnerability, and they take it on into their adulthood and they don't have the ability to take responsibility for themselves and therefore they never actually self-actuate, which means they never develop into the person they really are. They only develop into parts and pieces of who they really are. You know, all of us uh, will regress, you know, and, and I can understand when people feel vulnerable that they might fantasize that they need someone like a parent substitute to come and rescue them. You know, the unconscious mind wants to magically recreate something that worked a long time ago, which is go get mommy and daddy. Uh, you know, a better solution would be to try to fix what is hurting. However, a, a loss to mourn, a relationship to improve, something to repair in a person's life. All of these things are, are uh, bring on these victim ideologies. And, and people who can't stop complaining and make life hard on those around them, you know, when they feel that they've been hurt or taken advantage of, there's a huge chance that it's not true. Most of the complaints you hear from the repeat victim are not real injustices. You know, they, they imagine perpetrators are usually too busy with their own concerns to set out to victimize other people. It's really about how the victim perceives things. And what they don't realize is they have to take accountability for their own perceptions. Many people will try to basically uh, beef up their victim story and try to continue to grab onto it and justify it. And sadly, that takes a lot of energy. We are all victims if we want to be because we live in a world that we cannot control. 
And so the deal is, is what we have to do is take personal accountability. Now, I'm not trying to say, um, you know, that there aren't victims out there. There are victims. There absolutely are victims. And I'm not trying to, uh, to take that person and put them down. What I'm trying to do is say, hey, you know, let's not live life as a victim. Let's not give all the power to people that we uh, label as a perpetrator. You know, it. It's not an empty word. Victim is a is a very strong word, and to have that in your vocabulary is extremely damaging. You know, we all feel comforted by our parents when when we skinned our knees as children. And that memory stays inside our psyche. So we want to be a hundred percent strong as adults, but we feel hurt sometimes, and we regress, and then. We try to soothe ourselves somehow so we can be our adult selves and go on. But that soothing needs to take place within ourselves, not seeking it from other people. Whether we know it or not, most of us react to life as victims. Uh, whenever we refuse to take responsibility for ourselves, we're unconsciously choosing to react as a victim. And this inevitably creates feelings of anger, of fear, of guilt, inadequacy, and it leaves us feeling betrayed or even taken advantage of by others. And that sadly uh, can become a lifestyle because each of those emotions, anger, fear, guilt, inadequacy, those uh, feeling betrayed, those all have extremely strong ingredients that carry a lot of energy throughout our life past the times that we identify ourselves as victims. It just stays in our mind and it plants deeply into our psyche. You know, victimhood can be defined by, by basically uh, three positions. Um, and, and, and these positions are uh, basically come from a teacher, uh, uh, Stephen Cartman, who developed what's called transaction, transactional analysis. And he, he basically uh, called it the, the drama triangle or the victim triangle. And uh, this is about 30 or 40 years ago when this came about. Actually, it was longer than that. But, but it's sometimes also referred to as the shame generator. And uh, these three roles are the perpetrator, the persecutor, uh, the rescuer, and then the victim. And, and these are in an inverted triangle. So that means it's upside down. And uh, they basically, each person has a primary or a familiar role, um, which is basically their starting position. And, uh, you know, the rescuers basically see themselves as helpers and caretakers, and they need someone to rescue the victim in order to feel vital and important. And so some people love to be uh, the, the rescuers, but sometimes you have to understand that's all they know because maybe they were raised by a parent who looked at themselves as a victim and basically looked at their child as the rescuer and, and ends up uh, creating a psyche in that child that they have to be a rescuer their whole life. And they probably resent it, but at the same time, that's all they know. And that's what they're comfortable with because that's what they were at home with when they were a child. Now, the persecutors, on the other hand, identify themselves primarily as victims uh, they're usually in a complete denial about blaming tactics, and when it's pointed out to them, they argue that the attack is warranted and necessary for self-protection. And so the rescuer and the pers uh, persecutor are the two opposite extremes of the victim. But again, regardless of where we start out on the triangle, all roles eventually end up in victim, and it's inevitable. And you also may notice that the persecutor and the rescuer are on the upper end of the triangle. So these roles assume a one-up position over others. 
and, and meaning that they basically relate as though they are better, stronger, smarter, more together than the victim. And so they are where the victim lives, in the persecutor, the blamer, and then the rescuer, the listener. And so um, all of it totals up to a sense of feeling worthless. So, you know, in the starting position on the victim triangle is, uh, is really not where you entered the triangle, but it becomes a strong part of self-identity. And that is seeing themselves in life themes, uh, that these themes predispose us towards the unconscious selection of, uh, of, of that starting position. And once again, these themes generate feelings of anger, fear, guilt, inadequacy, and taken advantage of, and, and especially the sense of betrayal. Victims also have core beliefs that set them up for, for uh, this position, and, and so they see themselves uh, consistently unable to handle life. And they even uh, rescue from a one-down position, saying things to their potential rescuer like, you're the only one who can help me. And so what they do is they empower the rescuer when they feel the rescuer may be pulling away by telling them how powerful they are in their life because they need that person in order to stay in that victim position. So, you know, there's many var variations uh, of the triangle, but sometimes we rescue ourselves and others by denying what we know. Sort of like uh, if I look the other way and pretend not to notice, it will go away. You know, denial or inner drama of any kind perpetuates a vicious cycle of shame, self-loathing. So moving around the triangle keeps the, the self-disparaging messages running. And so the victim becomes their own shame-making machine. And so it's up to us to learn how to turn this thing off. Now, the rescuer might be described as a shadow aspect. Uh, instead of the uh, uh, appropriate expression of support or nurturing, the, the rescuer tends to be a smotherer, control and manipulate others for their own good. And of course, there's a uh, misguided understanding of what it is to encourage and empower and protect. What the rescuers basically end up doing is perpetuating the victim theme. And so they sit there and they do a thing called sympathy, which is the not empathy. What sympathy is, is we sit in the misery with the other person and just validate their misery. And and, and uh, we really don't sit there and try to empathize with them, say, I understand that must be horrible, but we don't have to buy their victimology. What we do is we just understand and we hear what you're saying, but we don't have to go, oh, that must be awful. Oh, that's so sad. Because the more you do that, the more the victim is going to want to come to you as a rescuer or do that for themselves. So, you know, the key is to try to get out of this crazy cycle uh, because it's a crippling dependency. And God forbid you go to uh, work and you have to be around somebody who has victim themes and they look at you as a rescuer. You would never want to go to work. I mean, it, it can be very sad and a lot of energy, more energy than your job, to have to be drained by someone with victim themes and you're afraid to confront. And quite frankly, uh, victim and rescuers and, and uh, persecutors, they're always afraid of conflict. They're always afraid of reality. And what they do is they deflect. If you confront them on their victim themes and you call them a victim, basically they're going to deflect it. Well, you're a victim too and blah, 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 blah. And they go on and on and on, but they never, ever want to take accountability. 
And so there's ways to get around that, and there's ways to work with people like that. Now, if you look at the persecutor part of the triangle, like the other roles, the persecutor is shame-based. And so this role most often is taken on by somebody who received um, basically uh, mental and or physical abuse during their childhood. And so as a result, they're often secretly seething inside from a shame-based wrath that ends up running their life. And so uh, they repress deep-seated feelings of worthlessness. They hide their pain behind the facade of, uh, of wrath and uh, uncaring detachment. And they may choose to emulate their primary childhood abusers, preferring to identify with those they see as having power and strength rather than become the picked-on loser at the bottom of life's pile. So the perpetrators tend to adopt the attitude that the world is hard and mean and, and you have to be ruthless to survive. And I'll be one of those. And so they become basically much like uh, the perpetrators from their childhood. And so they protect themselves using authoritarian and controlling and downright punishing methods in life. And so in the same way, the, the, the rescuers is in the, in the shadow, uh, basically trying to be the, the supporter, the run-to parent, the one that you go to. The persecutor overcomes feelings of helplessness and shame by overpowering other people. So domination as, as the persecutor becomes their most prevalent style of interaction. And this means that they must always be right. Their methods include bullying, preaching, threatening, blaming, lecturing, interrogating, and outright attack. And they believe in getting even very often through aggressive acts. And so... Um, um, you know, you have to look at this as uh, they, they're a need, there's an unconscious need to be a victim in order to sustain their idea of who they are and what the world's like. And, and persecutors also tend to compensate for inner feelings of worthlessness by putting on grandiose airs. You know, grandiosity uh, 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 inevitably comes from shame. And it's a, a compensation and a cover-up for deep inferiority. So superiority is the attempt to swing hard in the other side of less than in order to come across as better than. And it's most difficult for someone in a persecutor uh, position to take responsibility for the way they hurt others. In their mind, others deserve what they get. And these uh, individuals tend to see themselves as having to constantly fight for survival. And so there is a constant struggle to protect themselves and what they perceive as a hostile world. So these victims are actually very, can be very dominant. And they take on that persecutor role in a very uh, uh, strong fashion by uh, basically, basically uh, prosecuting other people as perpetrators. In the victim role, uh, the victim is basically a shadow. And it's a wounded shadow, and it's inside our inner child. And that is a part of us that is innocent, vulnerable, and needy. And this child self does need support on occasion, and that's natural. It's only when we become convinced that we can't take care of ourselves and when we move into the victim, believing that we are frail, powerless, and defective, and it keeps us needing to feel rescued. And so, so basically this relegates us to a lifetime of dependency on our primary relationships, which means that we don't make friends easy. We make friends out of loyalty. And that's the very sad truth what victims do. They have a very closed world 
they don't like to bring other people in. Uh, they also feel intrinsically damaged and incapable, and that's how they feel inside, and not smart enough, and very fragile, you know, and so they feel like they can do this by themselves, and, uh, but, you know, problem-solving abilities and their potential for self-generated power, these are all a part of who they are, and so they're intrinsically defective or wrong, and they see themselves as broken and unfixable. So the very thing that rescuers seek, validation and appreciation, is the thing victims most resent giving because it is a reminder of their own deficiencies. And so for, uh, you know, in a, in a triangle, this usually means that sabotaging the efforts made to rescue them, often through passive-aggressive behavior. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at DRGBMFT for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or DRGBMFT.com. Remember, DrGBMFT.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
talking about victimology, which is people that assume a victim theme in their life. You know, many of us uh, establish a victim identity, you know, but the process that we're supposed to go through, the, the one that is the healthiest is, you know, many of us will whine for a minute when we uh, things don't go our way. Uh, we need a little grief time, a little time to gather ourselves back together again. We want to renegotiate, you know, our hopes, our, our, our dreams uh, to be more in alignment with reality. And then we're back in the saddle again. But it, it, the time that it takes is the problem for us to do what uh, varies with each person. You know, many people feel embarrassed when they whine this way because, well, it, it feels to us as if we're on the pity pot. And, you know, maybe for a minute we are, but really we don't uh, all need to just go there all the time. And, and some people will live in those victim themes and it takes them a very long time, sometimes years, maybe even a lifetime, to continue to cycle through those victim themes and never really get into the taking accountability, going back to hopes and dreams, and, and looking more towards their future than their past, looking instead of at events that take place or things that are said coloring in who we are, but actually looking at the big picture of our life and understanding those are just words, events, those are just bleeps in time. And if we have, want to encapsulate those events as who we are, we're going to always live in victim themes. So, you know, that temporary state of self-pity is, is a drop in the bucket compared to what happens when we're dealing with someone with a full-blown victim identity. You know, a person with a victim identity is someone who has identified with uh, whatever crisis, whatever traumas, whatever illnesses or other difficulties that have occurred in their lives, and particularly those that begin very early in life. And, and they did this as a survival technique. And, and uh, you know, it's better to go ahead and just realize that life is a long fight. And uh, you, you, you can always lose in life. And to, to get our hopes up that you might just win every now and then, you know, hopes can be smashed. And not every time everything is going to go our way because we are in a very experiential life, meaning that we experience and then we learn from those experiences. So life is not perfect and life does not always offer us wins. So wins come and success comes in small dabs, usually not in big, gigantic outcomes. You know, and a lot of people uh, that live as victims, they um, are looking at a negative outcome, which means that we've already lost the game. You know, if we're going to predict that we're going to lose a game before we start, we're probably going to lose the game. And so, you know, the belief systems of a person with a victim identity basically comes in this kind of a, a, a thought process. Life is really, really hard. Don't get up. You'll just get kicked back down again. Beware always of trickery. And, uh, you know, people being dishonest, that's just around the corner, everywhere you live. You can't trust anyone. These are victim identities. I can't. I can't. That's a constant word you're going to hear from a victim. And you just don't understand how hard it is for me. Everyone is always picking on me. They are always bigger, badder than me. They, they, they. People that use the they words, if they can convert those to I, they may begin to not live as victims. You know, these belief systems are in place to protect the victim from ever having to really engage life and, uh, and jump the hurdles. So doing so is just too risky. And so these people live in limbo. They're indecisive. 
they will tell you 50,000 reasons why not to do something, and that is because they always feel that the outcome is going to be negative. Even if they're looking forward to something and they really want to do something, they will live in that victim theme that it's not going to be possible, and they will give you a thousand reasons not to go on a vacation or not to do something or not to go to a a, a, a baseball game or not to do a million things because they just want to be safe. And so they'll definitely complain and whine to others about how hard life is, but uh, anyone ever offers them some options for changing that, the victim classically comes back with a list of yes buts. And so they are the king and queen of yes but, yes but, yes but. And so they're always going to have an alternative and a reason not to do things. And they will um, also look for the rescuer to, to fix their life. And, and when you offer the fix, they'll basically sabotage the fix and complain that you did it all wrong, and uh, you are the problem, and then you become the perpetrator. And so uh, they basically want you to fix, and then they want to blame you for it not coming out the way that they want. Um, you know, the victim is also, uh, they can get people to stay, they want caretakers to take care of them, and uh, they, you know, they just need that poor victim feeling and that sense of, of uh, feeling terribly uh, guilty or you feeling guilty. They, they, they basically want you to feel guilty, they want you to bully you and, and to doing all kinds of caregiving, running the gamut of providing financially. Uh, literally making all the choices for them, and they typically know exactly what buttons to push in others to get them uh, to begin and continue to take care of them. And quite often, that bully identity lurches backward into the victim, and uh, so basically, they go from being passive to aggressive. They go from being the victim to the bully. And so that, that is a crazy thing about this victim identity in that many of the victims actually do attract bullies as their partner. And this is because the bully is often looking for those of whom they can take advantage. But it's also because the victim doesn't believe that they will ever get anything or anyone better. And, and um, because the victim feels that they don't deserve better. And it's because they must believe that life is hard and it will get a whole lot harder. And what happens is the partner that they pick is also a bully because they are dealing with somebody who won't take accountability. And so they have to overcompensate and take all accountability. And deep inside, both resent each other. And they also have this uh, belief of magical thinking that appears to have, to keep them alive. And so, you know, that... that uh, the life force that they have uh, because they see the meaning of life basically uh, as going to be some great thing. There's always going, they're very romantic about their ideas and sense of, okay, I'm going to have this wonderful uh, partner come along or this great friend come along and they romanticize people when they come into their life because they begin to, to feel a sense of, this is the one, this is the great person that's going to save me. And what happens is they end up finding out they're just as human, and then they're flawed, and then they start to reject that person, or they try to create them to become a rescuer in their life. You know, and it's usually difficult for the victim to come to see that they're living out the victim identity instead of, instead of living from what's called an authentic self, because there's shame attached to their efforts, uh, they want to manipulate, and they have a long history of self-failures. 
And so they come to see clearly and they, they begin to look at the messages in their life as this is the way it's going to be. And so they develop a personality. Now, if you're having to relate to a victim, I'm usually a victim is going to grate on you with the poor me attitude. Uh, they're allergic to taking responsibility and they're always against them. Everybody's against them. And that is the reason for their unhappiness. That's the philosophy in which they operate. So they portray themselves as unfortunates who demand rescuing, and they will make you into their therapist. And, and as a friend, you want to help them, but you become overwhelmed by their endless tales of woe, you know? So, because a lot of people will leave their life and they don't understand why do these people, they were my best friend, they were such a wonderful person, or this is my brother, or this is my sister, this is my cousin, I've spent my whole life with them, why don't they talk to me? Well, it's because you are a whiny, crazy person caught up in your own victim themes and so people reject you because you're too much energy. And that's what we have to begin to understand to get out of these victim themes that are very, very unhealthy. So, you know, if you want to take a, basically, you know, a, 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 an assessment of, you know, are you in a relationship with a victim? Well, if you typically get drawn into fixing other people's problems, there's a good chance you've attracted numerous victims into your life. And to identify if you're in a relationship with a victim, you know, think about these things. If there is anyone in your life who often appears inconsolably oppressed or depressed, that's a good sign you're attracted to victims. If you're burned out by their neediness, that's a good chance that you've surrounded yourself by lots of victims. Do these people always blame bad luck or unfairness on others for their problems? That's a victim. Do you screen your calls and say you're busy in order to dodge their complaints? Do you use uh, unrelenting negative compromise for your positive attitude? Uh, do you do you you know look at things to 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 figure out how to deal with these people? Set limits. You know, do a very strong iron hand with people like this. You know, a, a no uttered from the, this is Gandhi, by the way, Mahatma Gandhi, a no uttered from the deepest conviction is better and greater than a yes merely to utterly please, or what is worse, avoid trouble. You know, you want to set a kind but firm hand with people like this. You know, you have to say, look, I've got other things I've got to do. It's not that what you're saying isn't important, but... Um, I, I have to do some other things with my time right now. So I have other commitments. And instead of going, I'm sick of your complaints, you know, basically what you want to say is, is, is this is taking too much of my energy. You know, I, I understand you've got issues here, but it's too much of my energy right now. You know, if it's with a, if it's with a friend or a relative, you know, be nice, be kind. You know, say something like, our relationship is important to me, but it's not helpful to keep feeling sorry for yourself. I can only listen for a few minutes unless you're really uh, ready to discuss some solutions. I'm hearing all the complaints, but I'm not hearing solutions, and I can't give you those solutions. These are solutions that only you can come up with. You know, uh, you want to be a good friend, but you can't spend time just listening to problems. You've got to hear people creating solutions. You know, that doesn't mean that I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't want to be around you. But, but I really can't be a part of the problem. 
if it's a coworker, you know, respond. I'm really sorry that things are happening to you, but I'll keep good thoughts for for things to work out, and I hope you understand. I'm on a deadline, and I have to get back to work. And and so you know, just respect your time. And uh, if you're crossing your arms or breaking on contact or turning your back, um, you know, it's not a good idea. So what you want to do is just be empathetic. You know, I, I get it, but I've got to get back to work. You know, the way you snap out of a victim mentality is by remembering how great your life is compared with many people around the globe. We're in a uh, first world country here in the United States. Many countries around the world listening, many of the people that live there have a much better life than people in other countries. You know, quite frankly, uh, we have to look at our life as full of hope and faith and good things because we have nothing but great possibilities in front of us. And it's only in your mind where a victim uh, is basically uh, living in poverty. If you're confronting uh, somebody that is a, a whiner, is a victim theme, you know, transform your own negativity by being empathetic and, and basically understand and and, and uh, feel for them say yeah I get it and I have you know I, I feel sorry but I have to be on the healthy side of this and and so you know and I hope that you will want to be on that side because that these these victim themes that you have in your life are hurting you and taking you away from who you might be and the person might not like hearing that but it's very very important very important for you to confront if you're a healthy part of that person's life you know, it's also uh, people with the victim uh, inside. You know, it, it's difficult, if not impossible, to assign the person to believe in the cause th that our pain is real. Well, pain is real. Pain is real. And emotional pain is real. And if you think about people that think about suicide, that's meaning that they're spiritually personally in a lot of pain and emotion. And it's like if you were stabbed in the arm and there were no hospital, there were nowhere to go, all you would think about is the pain that you're in. And so this is where the victim themes come from. They focus on their pain rather than their possibilities. And so if we're always going to focus on the knife in our arm, uh, we're never going to have great relationships with other people because that's always going to be the focus. Well, you know, life is about some pain. And pain is a reminder we're still alive. And so the basic thing to have to remember is that we don't want to dwell on it. You know, we have to learn that life does come with pain and we do have to move through that pain and try to find a better way. Well, a better way to live is to understand what life is about. And life is a faith-based venture. That means that we take constant leaps of faith and we hope for good outcomes. We don't dwell on negative outcomes. What we do is we hope for better outcomes. And so that's how we get out of uh, feeling as if we're always victims. We also want to cultivate, if we're not going to be a victim, we want to cultivate friendships with people who do not reinforce our feelings of being a victim. When we're sharing our feelings and our concerns, uh, be sure to request that they not provide you with sympathy or agreement that you were unfairly mistreated, but request that they try to help you see ways in which you may have been complicit and you may have contributed to a problem in your life. And so, you know, what we want to do is talk about what we did 
what we did, how we were a part of something that was negative. And, and if we're able to do that, then we're able to begin to not see ourselves as a victim. You know, don't believe everything you think. Sometimes thoughts can, can feel like they are the truth or reality when in fact they may, may be no more than ideas, beliefs, or imagining. So you don't want to assume that what you think or believe is always necessarily true. So you want to learn to question authority, even your own. And this is not to say that your thoughts are necessarily wrong or incorrect, but rather that despite how true they seem, they may not be completely accurate. And so that's called perception. And we have to understand there's a discernment between perception and truth. We all have our own truth. But if we always buy our own truth, we're never going to get outside of who we are and learn from other people. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to take on characteristics of a victim and then how not to be continued to talk about how not to be a victim in this life. Come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. 
Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. We're talking about victim, victimology, living as a victim, and so many people do this. So what are some of the characteristics? You have to understand something. If a person develops victimology, living as a victim, it is a thought disorder. It is not genetic. It is not biological. It is actually a thought disorder, meaning that they can change how they think. You know, you are what you think. And so if uh, they have a constant churning and spinning of negative thoughts, that, that is that victimology where it comes from. You know, the victim believes they've been wrong. They believe they have no control over life. Uh, they, they tend to believe the worst, so they're very sarcastic in the sense of outcomes. Um, you know, they, they ramp it with negative emotions. So most of their emotions within themselves, because they have a negative outlook, those emotions are negative. And when you live with a, ba- a whole bag of negative emotions and you have logical thinking, um, you're not going to do a lot with the logical thinking be- because of all the negative emotions. We have to have emotional intelligence, which means that we have emotions that we use to help propagate our intelligence. So we have to find emotions that motivate, emotions that are constructive. We don't have to live in every emotion that we have. Um, So the deal is, if you're not going to become a victim in your life, you have to learn to cultivate positive emotions. And that means you join life, which once again is a faith-based venture. It's hopeful. We always, if we're going to get married, if we're going to start a new job, you're going to take a leap of faith. Everything is a leap of faith. And so we have to be hopeful that it's going to be a positive outcome. You know, uh, also, they expect sympathy, not empathy. And so, you know, sympathy is where you just sit there and listen to the moan and moan and moan. Empathy is where it's sad for you. I'm so sorry. If there's anything I can do, let me know. You know, that's healthy. Also, they play the blame game. They're stuck in a self-pitying mode. They spin tales of woe. Uh, They're defensive. They uh, put themselves down. They refuse to analyze and improve anything. They don't have solutions. They're also passive-aggressive. They're bullies. And then they're whiners. And they also set themselves up for failure. And so that is what encompasses a victim. Now, if we want to stop being a victim, you know, we have to stop feeling like the whole universe is working against us. Uh, We have to stop feeling, oh, no, my car's not going to start, or I spilled coffee on my favorite shirt, or my kids don't respect me, the boss doesn't appreciate me, the friends don't return my calls, Uh, I feel used, abused, rejected, you feel like you deserve to suffer. You know, we got to get out of that. So what we have to do is stop blaming other people. We have to blame ourselves, first of all. If we blame others, it may provide a whole lot of relief from our pain, but in the long run, It will lead to feelings of powerlessness and hopelessness. So, you know, what is my role in a situation is the first thing we have to do. We have to look at ourselves in a mirror and we have to ask ourselves, regardless of how we feel, what did I do in this scenario? In most cases, you'll see that you have the power to choose your response. Uh, You know, will you let yourself fall into your negative emotions or will you feel hopeful? Um, You know, it's a great thing when we are making friends to say, you know, I have faith in you. I believe in you. You may not trust someone, but if you give them the bridge to trust, which is faith, that's a positive. And so what you want to do is set yourself up for a positive relationship, not this negative dialogue inside yourself. You also have to be compassionate to yourself. 
You know, love your neighbor as yourself. That comes from the Bible. It's very well known, but we often focus on the first part of the commandment, presumably um, uh, because we take the second part for granted, which is ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. However, there's there quite an, uh, an epidemic of self-loathing that betrays the assumption, you know, so you can challenge this negative voice, uh, your own and others that tell you you are unworthy of your own love. And, you know, self-love means that we begin to accept ourselves, that we take ourselves as we are, not as we want to be. And so that's, you know, and, and self-love is learning to say no to things that hurt us. And if we want to love ourselves, take out the negative in our life. If we want to begin a, a journey of self-love with self-compassion, uh, what we want to do is begin drawing on the warmth of friendship from other people. So that means we want to have friends that are adults, not parents, not children. But we want to have a, adult relationships with adult people who live as adults and who take accountability for their lives. And if we have those examples and we embrace those examples, we begin to understand that we can assimilate parts of who they are and who they developed into parts of who we are. We also, one of the most powerful things in life is being grateful. You know, gratitude. If you have lots of gratitude, thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate what you've done. You know, I really, uh, I'm so grateful for your attitude. It's so helpful. You know, you are a great person. And when you begin to look at the good in people, it's really hard to stay in a negative place. So it's practically impossible to feel like a victim when you're feeling grateful. So, you know, spiritual uh, sages of every tradition teach us that even the most difficult of circumstances, we can find things to be grateful for. You know, the difficulty itself can be the source of our gratitude for invaluable lessons that we learn. So, you know, a good way to consciously tap into the power of gratitude during difficult times is to ask yourself, what can I learn from this experience? The lessons when we truly take heart, can be life-changing. So be grateful for lessons that life teaches us, even the hard ones. Bad situations in life lead us to positive conclusions. Bad things happen in life because bad things happen, and we can't control everything. But the deal is well, we have to learn from those situations, and that is where the positive is. We also have to resist self-sabotage. You know, and so what is that? Self-sabotaging behavior is the need to control things we cannot control. When we're trapped in a world of victimhood, we tend to be more aware of how vulnerable we are. So we experience a sense of, of uh, deep foreboding, meaning we're, we're looking in at ourselves as always in danger. And that is a very uh, horrible place to live because it calls for a lot of energy that we don't need and a very anxious life. Living in fear means that we're always, always looking out on the defensive rather than offense. But life, if you're going to live it, is very offensive, meaning we're contributing, not taking away from. And so, you know, people that live in victim themes take away. And, and they are the center of everything. And they will take everybody's energy because of their victim themes. They want to control when that disaster will strike. And they're always predicting that disaster will strike. So they undermine their own joy and their own success with self-destructive behavior. So that inner sab sabotager is a powerful, or saboteur, is a powerful enemy. But you have the power to resist this 
very seductive uh, reasoning. And so, you know, you want to develop your own person. And that means that you're hopeful, that you go to your soul, because your soul is living a human life. And if you're a victim, you're only living a human life. You're not living what your soul's journey is. And that means your soul needs to, to belong in this world. But if it's going to belong in this world, you have to accept yourself in this world. So, you know, don't participate in these negative sabotaging themes, the self-destructive themes. You want to resist the feeling that you don't deserve joy and success. You have to look at your life as, I do deserve joy and success, and I'm going to look at all the blessings in my life, and I want to accept them fully and graciously. You know, go out into the woods. Go somewhere where you can take a long walk and just appreciate nature. And that is the beginning of getting outside of your negative themes because now you're just living. And if you can get to know what it's like to live rather than exist and to, to enjoy the places around you, enjoy a good cup of coffee, enjoy the moment you're in, you're going to have a hard time living in victim themes. You know, people forget they live in their past and they live in their future and the future is usually negative predictions. What you really need to do is live in the now and then live in your dreams. Focus ahead of what your dreams are and see in the moment what you can do to contribute to making those dreams come true. That is the way life is lived. Perform acts of kindness for other people so that you're always contributing to the possibility that you have a dream. And, and when you're feeling like a victim, you're likely very hyper-focused on yourself, your feelings, your concerns, your powerlessness. When you help another person do a, ran, you know, do a random act of kindness, you're empowering yourself. But not only in a manipulative or controlling way, your power to positively impact someone will help you realize that you can also positively influence your own life. You know, it, it, it's amazing that uh, if you if you see a family of people that need a dollar and you have a dollar give them the dollar and see how it feels because you're not giving to them you're giving to yourself because if you're ever in that scenario yourself you're going to realize that maybe some other people would help me and that makes you hopeful and so you know giving to others sometimes gives back to you more than it does to them you know you also have to learn how to forgive and let go and what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is looking at intentions. And if you're always looking at the world as negatively intended, you're never going to forgive. And so what you have to do is you have to understand that 99.9% of the time, most people do bad things with good intentions. So, you know, you got to think in terms of, okay, uh, there's a really strong possibility that this negative outcome came from a good intention or maybe it came from a selfish intention or was it intended to hurt me or was it a self-fulfilling thing for that person or is it possible that they just made a horrible mistake uh, thinking that they could get away with doing something that they really should not have done. I mean, we all do stupid things. That We have our, our childhood indiscretions but in adult life when we make mistakes there's huge consequences to those things. So we have to begin to build uh, self-confidence. And that means that we have to stop feeling like a victim. And we have to go into life with no expectations or no great expectations, but realistic expectations. And then we have to hope that we get even more than what we expect. And, you know, it never hurts for a person to actually live uh, within their faith. And if you have faith and if you believe in God 
it's never a bad thing to have that because that gives you an understanding that your life is not in your control. It is in someone else's. And by doing that, you begin to live in the journey that they've designed for you rather than the journey that you designed for yourself. When you try to be the God of your own life, you're really not going to live a very good life because it's not designed for you to be God. So you also have to find the source of your helplessness. And you have to understand that that's learned helplessness. It's learned from childhood and it's an experience and you have to analyze and it never hurts to journal what are the things that I learned in my childhood and what did I have to deal with that started to develop muscle memory in my brain that attracts me to feeling that way? You know, and, and so if you're struggling in this, either therapy or, or journaling or both will help you empower that knowledge so you can get outside of it and stop living within those dialogues in your brain. You have to shift your mentality from the victim to a survivor. And so that means you have to be proud of yourself that you made it out of that jungle and get out of the jungle and start living life. You also want to challenge your perceptions of reality. And, and so it's, it's, it's basically remember that the car won't start. If you think that, then, uh, and that's the way it happened the last time, it's going to happen to me again. You're going to have lots of those themes in your life. So you have to get out of the negative assumptions and you say, I have, I have faith that my car is going to start. <laughs> and you may be surprised that it does start. <laughs> so, you know, get out of the victimhood so you can be free. Be free and enjoy life. Enjoy life and, and don't undermine it. That's our show. Our next show is, is it infatuation or love? I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I, I would love to hear from you, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or my website, drgbmft.com. You know, I'm currently scheduling speaking and teaching engagements and conducting intensive coaching for marriage, uh, pre-marriage and individuals. It's either in person or Skype. I'd love for you to contact me right away if you'd like uh, to book a time, www.drgbmft.com. Remember, if, if a woman is upset, tell her how beautiful she is. If that doesn't work, retreat and throw chocolate at her. <laughs> Never go to bed angry. Stay awake and plot revenge. That's our show. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.